0: Welcome to Wrestling With God Show, the podcast where we grapple with big questions about faith, religion, and life. I'm Irish McMahon, and I'm joined, as usual, by my friend and Irish Catholic priest, Father Len McMillan. Now, he's coming to us from the shores of beautiful Lake Coeur d'Alene in northern Idaho. Must be a tough life there, Father Len. It's so, always uh, a tough life for me. Yeah, right. So so how are things actually going there by the lake?
1: Good, good. Always work, always easygoing, nestled in beauty. Do you the ever get the is so beautiful.
0: Do you ever okay. get to the beach, Fatherland?
1: Admittedly, I've not been to the beach.
0: Oh my um, goodness. I know. You are a hard-working guy. I am. I
1: am. But I honestly, this sounds kind of strange. I am meant for the riparian life. The no. rip- what's the riparian life well, riparian life riparian means like rivers and lakes. Mountains, well, I thought it means
0: places. I thought it means you're you're meant to repair things everywhere. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> riparian means like I just love looking at rivers and lakes. I, okay. I love the ocean, too, but I'm not really an ocean person.
0: I'm a riparian. OK, all yeah. right. Well, I'll have to remember that you're a riparian. Well, so Fatherland I've been watching the reactions to all these mass shootings that seem to be happening a lot these days, sadly. And the causes uh, seem to be complicated and the solutions seem to be really elusive. But one thing that's caught my attention is the reactions to the shooters. They're often described with anger and contempt as worthless animals and monsters, like they're really subhuman. And I sense little or no empathy for these uh, troubled, mostly young men. And it has me wondering if empathy might be the path to finding real solutions to this mass shooting problem. So how about we wrestle with empathy? What is it? How does it affect us? And how might it lead us to end or at least reduce these, num- these mass shootings?
1: Well, when it comes to the mass shootings, I'll I give you my opinion. We keep looking for solutions that are external. And <clears throat> there's a difference between anger and contempt. Anger and contempt are not the same thing. You can love somebody 100% and be angry with them. Most marriages are like that.
0: Wife, I, I can I can please. I can relate to that, Father. Your line, wife actually. sends me
1: texts. You wouldn't believe what Irish did today. <laughs> or, uh, I have a friend, uh, this deacon at Holy Apostles, who used to crack me up. Shack, now love Shack, but for some reason I would annoy him. I have no idea why, but he would crack me up because he <laughs> one day said, "I just don't understand how come you don't get punched in the face more." <laughs> If I was annoying him with something, he would look at his foot. <laughs> <laughs> look at his foot means, uh, anyhow, like um, he's gonna kick you or something. What do you mean? He'd look at his foot. Yeah, like he's gonna kick me in the ass. <laughs> oh, great. Um, anyhow, so like you can love people and still be angry with them, but contempt is not the same thing as anger. And in fact, uh, there's this famous study where this guy said that he could predict like 95. percent percent accuracy whether a uh, marriage would succeed or fail and all he has to do is videotape of the couple arguing and what he looks for is not anger because they're arguing they're angry what he looks for is contempt hmm. contempt is worse than anger contempt is when you dehumanize the other it's the dehumanizing them that so makes it so easy to commit violence against those you have contempt for so contempt it reprograms us to dehumanize other people so if you frame others as less than human less than you then you don't have to listen to them or understand them they're outside your circle so contempt rewrites our moral code anger doesn't do that anger doesn't necessarily rewrite our moral code so Married people can get angry and that's a strength to the marriage because they're defending it with some gusto. Contempt is the opposite. Contempt only motivates to destruction. And the answer to contempt is empathy. So empathy is, is not the same thing as compassion. Compassion is when I see you hurting, I help out. Empathy is being able to name what you're feeling. shame,
0: Fear. Dot, dot, dot. I can name your emotions. Interesting, it, because like almost all these young guys that commit this stuff, you know, they seem isolated. They are
1: and, isolated. They're isolated. They have been isolated. I mean, the statistics is the the sense of lack of connection and isolation is really a symptom. So, like, so you you know you know the stats that every mass. Sh- Every mass shooter doesn't have a father figure in his life. That shows a lack of connection with that lack of connection. There's not empathy, but here's the problem. We're born with empathy. The reason why we have whites in our eyes, because I want to know what you're looking at. I want to be able to figure out what you're feeling. We're the species with the spindle neurons and mirror neurons. So I can feel what you're feeling. I know what you're feeling. So like we're born with it, even like we're born with this morality of compassion. And here's the thing with empathy, either you're perfecting it or you're killing it. For these mass shooters over time, their empathy has been killed, but we're psychologically Hmm. designed for morality. Now, I know atheists will say, oh, no, we're not. But there's more than enough evidence that we're born with a built in morality towards empathy. So give me an example, like uh, this sounds strange. They did this with babies, having them play with dolls. This is one example. And one doll was mean to another doll. Those babies wouldn't play with the mean doll. They already knew that that was wrong. So we have this built in empathy, but empathy is also a skill. We train ourselves to become more hospitable, more compassionate, more, more merciful, or we're training ourselves to become more self-righteous, pity, judgmental, exclusive. And hmm. there's this great book I read. I just love it. Love it, love it, love it. And it's called the righteous mind hmm. in, in chapter one. He makes this point that I think is important is that really emotions run our morality. He tells the story that one day he, his wife comes when he's in his office and says, please, <laughs> Don't put the dishes on the counter where I make food for our baby. <laughs> and this is the amazing. Part he said, as soon as he heard that first syllable of "please," his mind was already racing ahead. That he knew what she was going to say. He knew he put the dishes on the counter, <laughs> and he started to come up with what he calls his inner lawyer of defending why he did what he did. <laughs> and he says, "You know, I'm sorry." our elderly dog that's incontinent needed to go outside. The baby just woke up. I had to get to the baby. I just put my dishes wherever I could, as soon as I could. And he tells this story where he's the victim and his wife apologizes <laughs> that he just left his dishes there. And then later, cause he's doing this, he's a, I didn't know there's a branch of psychology called moral psychology. He's going over that, this fact that, You first, and this is what we do. We first decide our position, what we want to do. Then we use our big brains to come up with an excuse, our inner lawyer, why we did that. And he thinks back and he says, you know, the truth is I just put my dishes on the counter because I'm happy that my wife is always picking up after me. And yeah, the dog <laughs> need to go out and the baby need to be held. But it didn't quite happen at that exact scenario. I'm not the victim. She was. And I'm just better at arguing with my wife.
0: Well, plus, like, if he knew what was coming after, please, he'd probably done this multiple times before. Yeah. No,
1: no. You, you already have your compass pointed <laughs> where your morality is. And his morality is that, yeah, he can be selfish and yep. he's better at arguing with his wife. But he says, first, we come up with our conclusion, where your compass points. Then we rationalize, you know, like I'm the victim. And the interesting thing is there's this little part of our brain that's right above the bridge of our nose. It's called the VMPFC. It doesn't matter what it is. That's just its initials. But it's one of our emotional centers. Now, here's the amazing part. It's a part that really I'm going to say this is not quite accurate, but Let's say it's the compass where your emotions point. Uh, That's what that little thing does. But there are people who have it damaged. So that little part of the brain is damaged. But luckily, it doesn't interfere with your IQ. You still can have the same IQ, same memorized morality. But your emotionalism drops to zero. And so victims who had that, yeah, they're still the same intelligence rationale. Do do they know what causes the damage? Oh, well, let's say an injury or let's say, you know, I stab you with a, you know what I mean? It's okay. a physical
0: injury, some okay. accident. Okay.
1: But here's the, those with damage, they can look at an emotional picture, you know, no matter how joyous or gruesome or movies, and they'd feel nothing. But when it comes to making decisions, they would make the wrong decision or most likely no decision. They just couldn't function. I mean, they could function at work or doing something, but without an emotional center, their relationships fall apart, their lives fall apart, their jobs fall apart. That little part of the brain gives you your gut feelings. Well,
0: let me ask you you this. Could a lack of empathy cause damage there and cause you not to be able to, to recognize that? Well, because you said you no, no, said no, some, that's
1: where I'm going, that you can kill your empathy.
0: OK, we're okay. born with it. You I didn't mean to steal it. your thunder there, but yeah, yeah sorry. You, you, you said something you. really important that I hadn't thought about.
1: No, you make you, your you make your whatever your values are. That's where the compass is pointed. Then you make your decision. No, but you so, said
0: so, you said something about these shooters that I hadn't really thought about. And that is that they don't have any empathy. They have no empathy. They have zero empathy. I didn't I didn't really think about that here. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, should we have empathy and how would empathy help us to understand this whole thing? When in fact, you're saying the shooter, one of the right, biggest problems is- Right, they, they, yeah, have... I to it Yeah, they have-
1: If I have any empathy for the shooter, it's because they don't have empathy. They've killed their empathy, knowingly or unknowingly. Wow. But anyway, going back to this, VMPC. BMVM. Oh, sorry, I didn't
0: mean to take you off oh, track right. there. But
1: think about this: if it shuts down, you still have your intellect, right? But you have to weigh each decision. But You don't have the snap judgment of your emotions anymore. So if I like, if, if you're going to buy a car, okay, you made your decision to buy the car. That's emotional decision, and then you have to weigh out all the options, the pros and cons. Now the human mind can only keep about seven of those things in our lit, our head, but you know, that's hard to decide to what car, right car to pick. Now imagine if every moment of your life, you had to weigh each decision, you just wouldn't do it. That's why most of these people, if that emotional center is damaged, they really can't function in work or cocktail party because there's hundreds of really moral, small moral decisions you have to make throughout the, your life. And this psychologist found that without emotions, we can't make moral decisions. Morals require emotions. All decisions would collapse without certain emotions. The head doesn't have the motivation to make the decisions without the heart. And the amazing part about this is that we were taught the opposite, Greek philosophers taught that if you could do away with the passions of emotions, we would make purely logical moral decisions.
0: Yeah. Set your passions aside. Yeah. And be totally rational. Right. And the
1: atheists still promote this today, even though all psychological and biological evidence is not true. Uh, Hmm. Now, what is true is that if your emotions, if your compass is pointed at greed and selfishness, All your rationalizations would be as well. You'll find a reason to just dump your dishes on the counter (laughs) and then claim to be. But if your emotions, if your compass was pointed towards empathy and loving and compassion, then also your moral decision-making would be about being more loving and compassionate. Now, the problem is our society works by the belief that morals are external logic or controls so it drives me up the wall like ra- uh, a- atheists will say well you can have rational morality you know biologically that's not true in fact a very famous atheist said i became an atheist at 13 because it was logical 13 <laughs> You didn't even have a fully functioning brain at 13 right emotionally he made the emotional decision At 13, not to believe in God and then just double down on it the rest of his life and then call that rational. Or here's another story. This famous scientist, atheist, he comes to believe in God and he was really into science, but then he fell in love with this woman and it changed everything with emotional temperature changing. Suddenly his morals changed, and even his belief in God changed. So this sounds kind of strange my point being is that people think it's wrong to think that morals are kind of these external laws that you have to rationally behave like. And even the Bible, like this drives them up the wall with religious people, where they'll say some religious people, they're, no offense, they're like atheists. Atheists thinks morality can be rational. Some religious fundamentalists think, oh, all you have to do is follow the Bible as if it's a code book. Mm-hmm. Well, that's as a ignorant as an atheist. It's still based on some external. And then you just rationalize it away. And there's stories that prove this in the Bible where the disciples are walking through the grain on a Sunday and they're picking heads of grain and eating it. And the Pharisees claim that the disciples are breaking the Sabbath. Really eating, picking grain and eating is breaking the Sabbath. That's actually their interpretation. That's not what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And they just interpret the world as petty, vindictive, and and legalistic. And Jesus says, No, they are innocent. You are not. And quotes that, oh, go learn. It's mercy, what God desires. The Pharisees don't understand mercy. So even with the Bible, they'll come up with the wrong interpretation. So whether it's a Bible or canon law or uh, legal, civil law, it can't legislate morality. You know, um, this
0: This totally kind of explains how we're having such a hard time finding the solutions to these mass right. shootings. Don't, it's I, don't it's think all I, the... I
1: disagree with you. If I really have to be honest, I don't think we're having a hard time finding the solution. I think we're having a hard time admitting the solution and i'll tell you what because you know there's this popular mischaracterization that people are innately selfish uh, richard dawkins is atheist he says that you yeah, that greed is good or stories like lord of the flies the guy who wrote lord of the fly was a narcissist he was coming up with a justification of his own morality most people are very generous selfishness is only true of narcissists and sociopaths but the opposite of the majority of people. Most people are designed to trust, to work together, and have empathy. There's actually a really, if you think about it, a really small pool of sociopaths, one in a mm-hmm. hundred. That's why we really can't detect when somebody's lying, because we're designed to trust, trust each other. We're designed to get along and live as a community. So like our morality is a big part of it should be empathy. And there's this famous psychologist, Kohlberg, who studied moral psychology of children. And he said, children that socialize together, learn to see things from other children's position. And Kohlberg found that children who can imagine what somebody else is feeling has a higher morality that empathy creates a higher morality. So Kohlberg said, if you want to have a moral kids, have them play with lots of other people. But what about this change in our society where we have all like weekly, another mass shooting, you only have to watch the news that it's coming again. But think about this. If Kohlberg is right, and there's all the evidence he is that really, socializing with other people that are a lot different than you, a wide variety, it creates empathy. But most people only watch the news that agrees with their perspective. Most people, unfortunately, stop watching books. The movies that they watch teach if there's a problem, then you use your superpowers or a big gun and dominate them. Our culture has stopped advocating experiences of empathy well, and that, you know, it, it's not hard to come up with a solution. It's obvious. When I was growing up, we didn't have mass shootings and literally people, I'm not kidding. They drove to school with guns in their gun racks. Yep. Yeah, well, you can you... legislate all this stuff. There is no mass shootings because our culture wasn't so anti empathy. And there's a study of music that the word we was used more in past decades in songs now the number one word that's used in songs is I, I, I this other study about connection and community, that the more you're embedded in a community is one of the ingredients for higher health and longevity. So community living in a community, it creates empathy and health and longevity. And I remember thinking, cause I, I remember this book Putnam, it's a great research community in the United States has been dying. Com- the sense of community has been dying. There's, you know, he called, the, the name of his book is bowling alone because in decades past there's bowling leagues and people played cards together and religion was practiced much more. So with greater sense of community, there's greater empathy, but more and more community is dying. All well, the volunteering that's done. Is done by religious people and elderly.
0: But you know a Most couple way. things. You're talking about community dying. What we now call community or practice as community is all this social media, where we're actually isolated from other people. We're sitting okay. at our computer or watching our phone or whatever.
1: Yeah, we're uh, more isolated.
0: And, and the, other th- throw, the other throw th- in th- there
1: COVID when we had you know that year of yep. isolation. And I remember after reading Putnam's book about community dying, then also this study that community and empathy are related. And I was like, oh, with young people growing up with isolation, that's going to mean more isolation reduces empathy. Yep. So, wow, a community with more isolation and exclusion have higher rates of loneliness and anger. There's a study done on that. So it's pretty easy to see, oh, Lower empathy, higher loneliness, and anger. And Marcus Aurelius, this famous Emperor of Rome philosopher, said, Anything you do to the hive affects the bees. So now we've created this alienated society where we're alienated from each other. The grocer is nothing more than the grocer, the waiter is nothing more than a waiter. And one way to increase community is to work on empathy one way to increase empathy is to work on community but what happens when you have a young people who've been isolated and lower levels of community? what you get is all this anger so you know I think what we need to really ask the solution is not that hard and I'm going to say for me the solution is not more externals I want to be careful about this i'm all for, because people want to say, well, what we need is more laws. I want to be honest. I'm a second amendment person, but yeah, I'm all for laws. Don't get me wrong. I'm for, if it could limit and protect children, I am for background checks and stuff like that. I am for strong doors on schools, Mm -hmm. but you have to ask yourself, why do we need these laws? Why do suddenly in this time period in our country, we didn't have this problem before stronger doors are not the real answer. That only treats a symptom. Yep. The real disease, the cancer that's causing all the symptoms is this lack of empathy and community. So the real solution is not more debate about externals or even mental health. I know this, I'm want to address mental health, but mental health is an external the mentally ill are more likely to be victims of violence, not perpetrators of violence. So part of me, I, yeah, I want laws and stronger doors and safety for our kids, but that's all surface stuff. The real thing that's causing these mass shootings and alienated society is a lack of empathy.
0: But see, that's interesting because I think, you know, when people say it's mental illness, no, it's not. they're not recognizing that what's causing the mental, the mental and emotional a problems lack of is no empathy. Anxiety. Yeah. I mean, that's I totally get that now. That makes that makes complete sense. The other thing I wanted to ask you real quick, because, you know, you were talking about the best way to bring up kids that are moral and happy and all that kind of stuff is to to make sure they you know, are in community, they are socialized with a lot of people who have different ideas and beliefs and whatever. What's happening now, it seems like, and maybe this is the isolated community, it seems like so many of these shooters have either been bullied or ostracized because they're different, they're unusual, that kind of thing. And and I think that's always gone on, but it seems like maybe there's more of it now. So yeah, when, I mean, you're, when you're the, trying The profile
1: it. is so obvious. All the mass shooters had disengaged parents. Dishing, disengaged from the community, disengaged even from their own home. The guy from New Mexico, he had been bullied since grade school because he had kind of a list. His father is completely absent. His mother is more concerned about her drugs and her live-in boyfriend. <laughs> so yep. basically abandoned him. Yep. So I'm... Mean, we have these generations of abandoned children because I got to be with my boyfriend or, you know, my life is more important. Then you also have COVID. So the solution is internal, but people don't want to admit that the solution is maybe we need to change the way our society works. Well, that sounds to me, I don't think, I don't think people want to hear that. They want to hear about stronger doors and more laws. Yep. But what we really need to do is change our society. And you can say, well, we can't do that yet. Yeah, our society did change from when I was growing up. So why can't we take control and change it back? And all we have to do is, well, we have to do something, but we have to increase empathy. And you know, the main, the main way you increase, increase empathy Practice, 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 practice. <laughs> but nobody <laughs> what... has the nerve to do that. We want the easy solution, not actually to get off our ass and do something. So well, like, well number or, one or, thing is well, to or,
0: take care of others. I'm sorry, Father Lane. I, you, you get me thinking about so many things. We look for the easy solution or the one that benefits us. Like most of the solutions are being offered by politicians, but politicians who's the, the, the solution they're championing often, you know, increases their power or their right. desirability. It just increases their base.
1: Yeah. It just increases their base. It's not what's best for everybody. Not at all. So, like, if they really want to increase, you know, make help us, like, the evidence is clear. There's a couple ways to increase empathy. And as I said, practice, practice, practice. You learn to take care of others, and it makes you more compassionate. Children that are forced to do like the service work, actually doing the work increases their empathy and sense of connection. Even St. Francis showed how compassion to lepers, that when he was forced to care for lepers, he said, that's when he discovered God's compassion for him. That caring for lepers, he said, remade him. Or why is it women who have children have higher rates of empathy? Uh, Women who have children are better at reading other people's emotions. You want a lie detector? Ask a mother. Empathy fine tunes us, but service to others. There's all these things that increase empathy service to others. Really big one. This sounds kind of strange reading fiction. You learn to see things from other people's mindset, but people don't read anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. if you want to lose all your wealth, open a bookstore in L.A. Nobody in L.A. even knows how to read. (laughs) They found people who pray regularly have higher rates of empathy and therefore also test out to be more moral. People that listen to music, dancing increases your empathy. Even physical closeness increases your empathy. They did this test with teenagers. And I know I mentioned this before. It is so hilarious where you show teenagers this black and white photo of people's face and mm-hmm. like the face would be in pain or joy teenagers are getting worse and worse at recognizing other people's emotion i think it's cuz of covid but teenagers who have higher empathy you know they have higher empathy cuz they pray regularly they're physically involved with other people or you know they have a wide range of friends are better at recognizing other people's emotions And they did this other thing, teenagers who have higher empathy, they do better in school, better in sports, and are more successful. But, you know, here, it takes effort to say, oh, no, you're going to serve at a soup kitchen. You're going to get off your rear end on the video game, and you're going to meet with other kids. And empathy, what empathy really does is create bonding. And there's this one guy, I just love him, where he says, why do soldiers love the military? It's not because they're overly aggressive. They love the military because it's a type of loyalty to their comrades. That's mm-hmm. not just a loyalty issue. Loyalty becomes a moral way of choosing to act. Bonding with others, it's the natural state of human beings. I mean, The reason why human beings yawn is because it's infectious. Mm-hmm. Humans that bond together live longer and happier lives. Evidence mm-hmm. is really clear and even like this sounds kind of strange i think this is kind of funny but they did this study of pairing married couples who've been married a long time versus newlyweds and all you can see is their pictures people can pick out who's married to who isn't that a really weird like you just get better at empathy but going back also the reason why solitary confinement is so harsh and harmful and has all these psychological mental effects is because we were not meant to we're meant to live in as bonded together now sociopaths can't bond and children are meant to bond you know there's that famous story of the nazis trying to raise children without any affection and cuddling and the babies died wow We need to be bonded empathy is not a weakness it's our strength Where they did this other harsh experiment of raising children without a lot of maternal care. Basically, the children turned into zombies and later in life had huge discipline problems and sociopathic problems. So here's the question Is our modern society helping to create mass shooters by reducing bonding and empathy? And as I said, look at the stats. Actually, mass shooters have more in common with a suicide profile. They just want to kill others. They want to kill themselves by killing others. They don't want to just kill others. They also want to kill themselves. So true.
0: I mean, you just you can you you're making a heck of a case for this.
1: (laughs) Right. It's a type of suicide the suicide is obvious because they've had such lack of bonding. They have lack of fathers, lack of family, lack of empathy. It's not a mental illness problem. We have a societal problem with lack of empathy, but our society doesn't want to look at empathy. It wants to look at the external solutions of stronger doors or more active shooter drills. Yet the common need is for more bonding and more empathy. And here's another thing. I, this is taking a twist. People keep thinking it's laws that are going to save us. Now, let me be clear. I'm not against laws, but we look to external laws and external blaming and we put our hope into kind of these over-systematized moralities that don't work. And so like I can explain, like there's this famous philosopher named Bentham. Well, John Stuart Mills later mentioned that Bentham was a strange guy. He had this very intellectual moral code, right? But it's clear if you look at Bentham now, Bentham, this philosopher, could talk a lot about morality, but clearly Bentham was autistic. He had no lover. He had no close friends. He had this over-intellectualized system of morality. Or Kant, love Kant, this famous mathematician. Clearly, he was a little autistic. And so, like... My point being is that, wow, very intellectual moral codes to them, but an over-systematized moral code doesn't lead to greater morality. All psychological evidence is that the skill of empathy reduces contempt that leads to violence. But no, and people don't want to hear that because that sounds too spiritual. And when empathy is dead, so is Joy. Like the more empathy dies, the more and more it shrinks. The only joy you're able to feel is when other people suffer. And so there's a German word for that. Schattenfreude. Have you ever heard of that?
0: Nope. Uh,
1: You know, the Germans, they have great words for emotions, (laughs) very Uh emotional people. But Schattenfreude (laughs) is the joy of seeing other people suffer or fall or embarrass. And think about what goes on in the United States. We have political parties that rejoice when the other party fails even though all of the United States will suffer.
0: Well, we also have social media. I think some of the the most watched videos and stuff are people failing and failing, you know, Don't terribly. Fall.
1: Yeah. If the only joy you you can get is when other people suffer or fail or embarrass or humiliated, please ask yourself If you have extremely low empathy, the more empathy dies, the less and less joys. Now hear about these mass shooters for you to be able to take a gun. And the only joy you feel is when other people suffer. That's their only joy. That means empathy had completely died. So why don't we, why don't we avoid the ways of killing empathy? Avoid the us versus them tribalism that just decreases empathy. Here's the interesting thing, too. Did you know those in power, the more power you have, the more likely you could lose empathy, which I know sounds really strange.
0: That so, makes total sense, because I think sometimes the more powerful you are, the more isolated you become and the more, you know, self, self-absorbed and. You know, like, for instance, you know, I've managed some fairly big uh, companies and operations. And a lot of times, you know, people, they they don't want to bring you problems. You know, they I mean, it's it it becomes a really interesting kind of a challenge to make sure that people are honest and whatever with you. I mean, like the politicians, I think many of them are so disconnected
1: that that is funny because think about this. We have this low rate of empathy and we also live in the great resignation where everybody's resigning from their jobs. Uh huh. I know this one guy who, when you said the boss says, don't give me problems. He literally has told people that I don't want you to bring me any problems. Well, that's what life is. If you're going to be totally. a boss, boss, you deal with problems. So he's had a 60% resignation in his company and he can't figure out why. So he had a staff meeting. Demanding a uh, higher morale. You can't legislate morale. People like in the army, they'll take a bullet for you if they feel loyal, but if there's no loyalty, why not res- resign? You can't legislate that. You have to create that with empathy and bonding, you know, but now we'd rather have externals. Let's have a meeting and chew out people for their low morale. <laughs> That's yep. not a solution. That's like saying, well, we'll just get stronger doors. <laughs> I'm all for stronger doors, but why don't we look at the cause of it? And, you know, empathy creates a better life. Empathy allows us to see from a wider context. I, I, I know this priest has said, oh, I would never, I don't understand these people that have sexual sins. And I, I chewed him out and I said, yeah, virtue untested is no virtue. You have never fell in love. You don't know what it's like to mm-hmm. fall in love. Somebody who says, I, I would never steal. Well, you've never been in that man's shoe when you're poor shoes, when you're poor and extremely sick, you know, empathy, empathy allows you to see from their standpoint, empathy promotes cooperation and compassion and loyalty. Like, so think about this. Empathy immediately hijacks my system. So I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when that little boy's body washed up on the Italian shores, Cause they are trying to escape the violence of Aleppo. Do you remember that? I don't oh, remember little, that little tiny body with his tennis shoes washed up on the shore. And this guy, Italian picks it up. You know, as soon as I saw that picture, I was a hundred percent against Putin and Assad. I didn't have to go through a logical set of, well, I'm not really like it immediately shot off my loyalty to, towards that child. So my point being is that, yeah, we make our emotional decisions first, then we find excuses to back it up. But no, I was against that kind of pain and studies show that higher levels of happiness have nothing to do with externals. And in the United States, all the studies seem to see happiness levels are dropping yet. Those who test high on empathy also test high on happiness. So, Really, you think gun laws or psychological tests are going to help that? It's empathy. Everyone who thinks that if you're empathetic, it helps the other person. Like if I'm empathetic, it's going to help you. It's the other way around. If you practice empathy, it's really good for you. And seventh graders who were given empathy exercises had less difficulty n- navigating through junior high. And think about this, you can train, we can train our kids to be more empathetic. Empathy amplifies uh, trust in a relationship. It it can't amplify trust if it doesn't exist. But my point being is that like, well, look at these mass shootings. I just think it's this clarion call that we got to remake our society with greater and greater empathy. You want to protect your kids. How about advocating a society of empathy? Do things that increase empathy, which increases morals, not more blah, 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 discussion on laws and morality. Morality will never come about through legislation.
0: It's got to be through empathy. Right. Wow. Well, Father Lynn, I think you've given us a lot to think about. Not just in relation to mass shootings and solving the problem and stuff, but just in terms of life, empathy is so important it's just it's kind of amazing all the examples you've given us so you know, thank another, you for that
1: i don't think people want to hear empathy because there is this strong connection between those who pray or meditate regularly have higher levels of empathy
0: well, that would go with uh, the decrease in people. You know, wanting to be religious or having some attraction to religion and spirituality and stuff—it's—it's it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it?
1: It is. So,
0: well, Father Lynn, uh, thank you. This—I uh, think—I'm I, really glad that we got into the whole empathy thing today. I think this is really important, and I hope this really opens uh, our listeners' eyes and gets them thinking about empathy. It's such a, f- a fundamental thing to have in your life. So we welcome your comments and questions for Father Len. It's easy to get those to us. You can just shoot me an email. My address is irish at org. That's irish at o r g. Or you can leave me a text or a voicemail, 208-391-3738, 208-391-3738. Now, this podcast was created and it's distributed by Wrestling With God Productions. Our theme music is composed and performed by Jake Einick and Kevin Barnett. And the lifeblood of Wrestling with God Productions comes from generous donors who support our mission. So if you've benefited from one of our podcasts, please consider making a donation at givesendgo.com slash wwg productions. That's givesendgo.com slash wwg productions. Thanks for your support. And we hope you'll join us next time as we continue our journey, climbing the mountain of life, practicing empathy, and searching for truth, meaning, and purpose in our lives. Thanks for listening. See you next time.